I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey everyone, welcome to Let's Get Civical. This is the podcast that breaks down politics, government structure, and dives into the context of current events, but in a super fun way. I'm Lizzie Stewart, comedian, feminist, and political junkie. And I'm Arden Walentowski, former Senate intern, campaign staffer, and political strategist. In this episode, we're talking about minimum wage. So grab your Fair Labor Standards Act. And let's get civical. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Let's Get Civical. I am Lizzie Stewart. And I am Arden Walentowski. And I am sweating from (laughs) head to toe. (laughs) Tip to toe, I am hot. Hot. It is hot in the city. It is very hot in the city. It's that time of year where you blast 
the air conditioning in the room in which you record for the hour leading up to the recording in the hopes that yes. while you are recording, the, the chill lingers just enough so that you don't sweat your tits off. Yeah. Yeah. Because we can't have that. I mean, I know that there are silent ACs out there, but I just don't think like when I'm talking window units, I'm not talking yeah. you, you know, the, the fancy royalty who have. Um, what, what Central is it AC. even called? Central AC. <laughs> <laughs> I, know. I was like, I haven't seen it in so long. It has a name. Hey, it's been 84 years. <laughs> the China was barely used. The sheeps weren't slept never been in. Slept in. Never been slept in. Yes. I have never lived in an apartment with Central AC. Uh, no, apart no. from like my dorm. Right. But, like right. that doesn't count. No. And I feel like that's a sign that you've made it. If you are living in a building and can afford the rent of a place. Yes. That That has has central AC. Although I've seen some, I have seen some like janky ass apartments that do, that does, like they have central AC, but it's like a two by two box. You know, like those super modern, hideous buildings that they will put up. Yes, that's true. That are teeny tiny, but they have like... A virtual doorman and, you know, a, a, a washer, washing machine that, you know, is your only counter space. Right, 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 <laughs> right. For right, the right. kitchen. Um, but they have central AC. <laughs> shout out to those. Shout out to my window units. Shout out. This, this episode is for you and for it's us. for you. That's right. Make some noise if you're a window AC unit. Hey! Oh! Riddle me this. We both have a mutual friend, and I won't say her name because she'll get mad, but you know exactly who I'm talking about. Yeah. We have a mutual friend who thinks that having a window unit or having AC in her bedroom is kind of like a waste because she has a ceiling fan. <laughs> and she's and she's like totally comfortable sleeping. And I'm talking about New York heat. I'm talking about New York summer heat. She's totally comfortable sleeping. Oh my god. In her room because she has a ceiling with a fan. She's like, "Yeah, it's, it gets warm, but like I just, you know, have like maybe a sheet and it's fine and my ceiling fan." And Absolutely I not. I shame her mm-hmm. at every turn. We literally were texting about it last night. <laughs> because she was like it's I feel good in my ceiling fan and I'm like, I feel good in my sixty-nine degree oh my God, room yes. with my window AC unit. Mm-hmm. I am on Team Lizzie with this. Thank you. I'm bullying her to get a, a window unit in her bedroom because I'm just like, I understand that you you you're maybe you maybe you are fine. Maybe you are fine. Right. With the fan. Right. But you could be more happy. fine. <laughs> You could you could sleep with more than just a sheet. Right, right, right. Well, that's the thing. So I helped our this mutual friend that we're talking about put or or uh, choose which size air conditioner for her larger yeah. room. Yeah, because she was getting the same one as that I was, which she didn't know until she sent me the link. But I was yeah. like, oh, that's mine. I love it. It's a windmill. Shout out to windmill. We're not <laughs> not sponsored, but we're not sponsored by them. But AC they do units. great work. Um, <laughs> You can. I love it because you can control it with your phone. So like, I can be on yeah. my way from the subway and station, like, cool down, and I'm like, beep beep beep, cool down. But I would. I am with you. I are the bedroom 
AC is always on during the summer when we're sleeping. And I would rather have it at a chill 72 and be slightly chilly and be able to like cuddle and curl up and put the quilt over Mm -hmm. me and sleep nicely like a human being as opposed to sweating or being warm. Because also there's all these like sleep research things that are coming out now that are like, you should, the best way to sleep is cold. Is in a cold room. Yes. Is in a cold room. That actually, that is science. We don't have a source to support, but that is actual science that there is like a specific temperature that is supposed to be like the optimal temperature, but it is supposed to be colder around you. It's better for your sleep health. Yeah. And as you know, I haven't slept well since I was four. So it's even more important (laughs) to me (laughs) that you have a cold room. It's important. I can't. I can't. It is an ongoing saga between me and this mutual friend. I'm trying. (laughs) Because my other thing is like, you know, window AC units can be so reasonable as far as cost. So it's also, to me, it's it would be one thing if I was trying to bully somebody into like, really investing a ton of money into something right right but i'm talking about like a hundred and fifty two hundred dollar mm-hmm. window unit yes i'm like i know i know you can i know you can afford this yes get it get it get it get it and if you only run it when you're in there the cost increase that you'll see on your whatever electric bill will be like 30 bucks a month maybe 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 maybe, maybe. Probably closer to 20. Yeah. You know, like absolutely she can afford it. So mutual friend, get the AC. Mutual friend, you know who you are because all we AC. do is talk about this. Get mm-hmm. the AC. Um, also, we love you. Oh, we love you. <laughs> Can't wait to get drinks. Anywho, this episode is not about heat or AC units. You, I never know where our conversations are going to go in the first but 10 minutes of this show. Who knows? But do you know what? What? We were talking about our mutual friend being able to afford an extra AC and pay the Con Ed bill for it. And part of the reason that she can do that is because there is a minimum wage Mm. that was established almost 100, well, not almost 100 years ago, like 80 years ago, Mm -hmm. and is now the basis for all wages I was about to say, it hasn't been raised since. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was like, I have to be careful because yeah. it's not It's not like we make minimum wage and so therefore we're fine. But there's no. like at well, least a, wage there's New a York floor. Better than federal minimum wage. New York is better than federal minimum wage. And then if that is the minimum wage, then people who have more skills or do higher level jobs or whatever make more money. So uh, that how is that for a link to our episode today from Eric? He was a hop, skip, and a jump, I would say. <laughs> but it's true. It's true. Look, we all have jobs because we all need money to pay for things. Mm-hmm. And there was a time in this nation's history where they could pay you whatever. They could not pay you at all. They could mm-hmm. pay you in sheep. They could pay you in the fall. Like y- there's so many. <laughs> here is so, a shoe yeah so the government was like okay we have to we've got to get this you've got to get some type of organization here yes. we've got to have some type of standard yes and they laid they laid the basis for 
minimum wage mm-hmm. 80 plus years ago. And I think before we really jump in, a great episode that pairs with this is our interview with Congressman Mark Takano that we did, yes. golly, like two years ago? October 19. Oh my God. Because that was in that was in person. We did that in person. That was in person. Like, we were in the Capitol. We were in the Capitol. The brand spanking new like audio Off- podcasting, what whatever room yeah. that was. Yeah, it was a great room. That was a great room. So please definitely look up uh, our interview with with Congressman Takano because we talk about a lot of these things. We talk about minimum wage. We talk about some of the um, legislation he was working on at the time to raise minimum wage because as we'll talk about in this episode it's <laughs> it's simply it's, insane what it is now that it low. hasn't been raised it's embarrassing mm. it's embarrassing and if you if you it, like i you know how good i am at understanding other sides of the argument mm-hmm. i'm 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 pretty i'm pretty good at it you're this really is good I, at it you I do don't. you make a really because you, you do the thing which is really hard to do, but it, it's, uh, to me, a high marker of intelligence, is that you can work to understand it and understand their argument, even if you don't agree with the argument. Yes. Yes. I can't do that with this. I can't work <laughs> no, to understand no, it. No. To, to no... the argument being, like, to not raise minimum wage. Like, I actually... No. I can't understand it. No. And, I, and, and, and I'll be honest, I don't want to understand it. Because I... <laughs> I do just think that I'm right uh, in this. Well, of course. So you usually if are. You, if you think that the minimum wage should stay as it is, I think stop listening right now. Okay. Right. <laughs> it's 7.25 an hour. Who thinks that like 8 times 7.25 times 5? Can't do a, that math. Whatever that math is, whatever it equals, whatever it, it turns out to be, is an appropriate amount of money for somebody to live on. In yeah. the United States of America in 2022. Yeah, it's not. That's it's a not. week. No. After, and then you take taxes out. Yes. So then you walk away with what? Like 200 bucks? That's insane. Wait, actually, I want to do this math because we should know do what the math. math is. Let's do the math. Do We're going to do the math It's live. calculator Eight time. Times. It's really a Calculator just time. Calculator time. Get your numbers. It's calculator time. Okay. So you're, so then what's. The one, the larger number is the gross, right, or the net? Girl. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so eight times five. I think it's gross. It is gross. I, I think it's gross because you it, net it, it like is your gross. net is your take home, right? Okay, it's disgusting. Go on. Right. So eight eight hours a day times five days a week times seven twenty five is two hundred ninety dollars a week. So let's just say. Yeah. So then that means that your take home. Let's just do 70%. Let's say you get to keep 70% of your paycheck. It's $200. So then let's multiply that by, let's just say 52 for shits. 52 weeks in a year. That's $10,556 that you have to pay your bills after taxes. For if you made federal minimum wage per year. What's the What's the poverty line? Yeah, let me see. Like what do we consider poverty? One person, $12,880. Okay. So so it's below poverty. How do we, yeah, how do we reconcile this? <laughs> I try so hard to defend U.S. Dot sometimes, and there's just hey, no not today. Not today. Not today. Mm-mm. Not today, Satan. As Lizzie would Mm-mm. say, not today, Satan. 
this is just absolutely disgusting. <laughs> like we yeah. paid people more than this on unemployment during the pandemic, but yet somehow yeah. we want them to go back to work. Right. To work for less than that. I mean, okay. We haven't even gotten to the notes. We haven't. We haven't. Isn't that shocking? <laughs> let's, let's. Oh now that we, now that we've crunched the numbers. We've crunched numbers we know what we're we know dealing with. Yeah. Let's roll back the clocks, shall we? But before we, before you do that again, do you want to talk about today's sources? <laughs> oh my God. This episode is already vastly different from our <laughs> Roe v. Wade episode last week. Well, oh yeah. Oh yeah. my God. R.I.P. 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 R.O.E. <laughs> I feel like that should be the shirt. R.I.P. R.O.E. That, but that just says Rip Row. It's how you say it. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? That's true. That's true. Yeah, I feel like I've, if I saw it on a shirt, I'd be like, Rip, Rip. Rip Row. <laughs> All right. Let's Here we go. rip the Band-Aid off and talk about the sauce for this episode. First, Britannica. No, we're lover. Love. Um, some fun little facts from UC Davis. Um, right? They have like a poverty center there where they study poverty and the different aspects of demographics and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Our tried and true and beloved history.com. Love. I've missed her. It's been I a know. minute. She's she's and, and her notes for this. I was like, they don't have an article on the Fair Labor Standards Act, which is surprising. But they had a minimum wage timeline, which is very helpful. Love. Look, we can't we can't again. We ask so much. I know. Of this source. I know. So whatever she wants to give, I'll take. How about that? We'll take. We'll take. Some info from the Department of Labor. Good. (laughs) And some good information from a website called Raise the Minimum Wage, which is a movement to raise the minimum wage. Well, yes. I support it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Obsessed. So let's start with the Fair Labor Standards Act. Always have to start with an act. We had to get our acts together. We are in ye old early, I guess, almost mid 19 and hundreds. So here we go. Yep. Fair Labor Standards Act, also called Wages and Hours Act. Wages and Hours. Mm-hmm. I wish it was Wages and Hours. I know. Wages, wages and Hours. Wages and Hours. I know. Apples and Oranges. Yeah. Porgy and Bess. This, I think it's this act that also created the Wages and Hours Division. Like how they had the war department. There was like a division called Wages and Hours. And that sounds great. It sounds very like Harry Potter. Like Wages and Hours. Yes. You know, Department of Ministry. You know, something like that. Yes. Yes. Totally. So, but it didn't, it wasn't called Wages and Hours. But uh, Fair Labor Standards Act is how it's officially known was the first act in the United States prescribing nationwide compulsory federal regulation of wages and hours <laughs> sponsored by Senator Robert F. Wagner of New York. Hello. Hello. And signed on June 14th, 1938 to be effective on October 24th. So 1938, we've been a country for 200 years, plus or minus, And they're finally like... We should get something in place to um, sort of standardize how people are paid. Yep. The law applying to all industries engaged in interstate commerce established a minimum wage of 25 cents per hour for the first year, 
to be increased to 40 cents within seven years. No worker was obliged to work without compensation at overtime rates more than 44 hours a week during the first year, 42nd the second year, and 40 thereafter. So you can't, you have to get overtime at 44 hours your Mm -hmm. first year. Then you get overtime at 42 hours second year, 40 hours, you're at overtime. Yeah. Moving forward. Yep. Which I'm like, that's truly what we have that's right today, now. the 40 hour. Right. Yeah. And I think there's, um, I mean, there's no talk about doing this on a national level, but I feel like I got a news alert recently that California maybe was looking to do a 32 hour work week, which oh, yeah. would be so clutch. Yeah. <laughs> a four day work week. I yeah. would love. Would love. Would love. Would love. Because then you could actually do like have fun on the weekends and because the weekend is always like I I do plan I, like I rest and do plans mm-hmm. and then if you're really somebody who's like a nine to fiver then you'd have to do a day to like take care of life shit like laundry and cleaning yeah. and like ugh. well I also know there there have been studies on like productivity and mm-hmm. and there have been studies that show that show that people who have moved to a four day work week model have not decreased in right output no you know what i mean and i think that's like everybody's initial reaction is oh well people are just going to work less and do less but actually because that they are resting more they are more productive during the working hours yep of the other four days right i love it i'm all about it i love science oh the fair labor standards act provided other federal protections for the first time including and this is in 1938 y'all restrictions on the employment of children thank god and i love this record keeping requirements yeah it's like you yeah, no more you can't you can't start this is like irs shit it's like you can't yeah. make your books messy no we have to be able to read and see how much you're paying your people and yeah in 1938 the act applied to industries whose combined employment represented about 20 percent of the labor force coverage has been expanded over time and the wage now covers approximately 130 million workers or 84 percent of the labor force Since the first federal minimum wage was set in 1938, it has been raised more than 22 times. The history of the federal minimum wage is one of political struggle, obviously, Mm -hmm. and labor conflict. And it actually begins in Europe at least a century before the law was passed in the United States. It does. So Europe did it first. What a shock. Shocking. We're going to take a quick break for a little word from our sponsors. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea, 
Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Here's a quick question for you. How did you sleep last night? If your battle for a good night's sleep feels relentless, I have the answer. It's a podcast called Sleep Wave with meditations and hypnosis created to help you fall asleep. My relaxation techniques will help you feel calm and ready for sleep with soft music that will help you fall asleep in minutes. Most listeners never hear the end of an episode. So search Sleep Wave on your favorite podcast app and find out why over a million people have fallen asleep to my voice. not be surprised to hear i mean if you know anything about the history of labor in this country and not not u.s.stat but in the country in question you will not be surprised to hear where the first like labor strike happened and i'm gonna tell you i'm gonna tell (laughs) you because we're gonna talk about the early history of the minimum wage tell me so here we go so these notes are coming from history.com in 1831 silk industry workers in lyon which is in Lyon. France. Lyon. Yeah. Which is in France. Go on strike. Their demands include a minimum wage that is enough for them to live on. Yes. The <laughs> walkout and a repeat three years later were unsuccessful, but the idea of a minimum wage started to resonate. Love. Yeah. They were I like, mean... we literally can't eat or feed our children on what we're making. And yet I have to be here in order to make monies right pay me more pay me enough to live pay me more and i and i can't imagine that the silk industry was a safe environment no. to work in no. <laughs> not in not in lyon i love saying that word not in lyon lyon not in lyon in 1831 no nothing was safe in 1831 are you crazy no 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 you couldn't even drink the water So then in 1894, some years later, New Zealand enacted the Industrial Conciliation and Arbitration Act. Aren't you glad I didn't make you read that word? Oh, my God. I wouldn't have done it. I would have. (laughs) Arbitration? Conciliation? That's not what I thought it was. No. Conciliation? Conciliation. Conciliation I might have gotten because it can't be anything else. I think I would have said arbitration. Oh, okay. Yep. What is it again? Arbitration. 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 Yeah. (laughs) Like when you enter arbitration. I have never heard the word arbitration, let alone entered into it. (laughs) 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 Uh, See, even we learn things on this show. I learn things on this show every day. And and if y'all are like, Lizzie, why do you always have to say you don't know how these words? It's because it's true. 
It's true. I'm not ashamed of it. <laughs> Who uses you, the word you arbitration? arbitration? Like, get out of my face. Lawyers. Lawyers use the word arbitration. If you're not a lawyer, yeah. you're not required to know it. I am never ashamed of not knowing something and will always be honest when I don't. And then I learn and it's I great. Love, I love Is it. W- isn't that, wouldn't it be great if we were all like that? Mm-hmm. You mean honest? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So New Zealand in 1894 enacted the Industrial Conciliation and Arbitration Act, becoming the first nation in the world in which the government set minimum wages for workers. The law also banned both worker strikes and lockouts by employees or by employers. Sorry, lockouts by employers. So they were like, here's your minimum wage, but you can no longer get angry. Strike. Yeah. And strike. Yeah, that's not, not cute. Money. And that's not cute. Fuck you. And on the other side, the employers can't stop them from coming to work. Yeah. So, okay. At least it wasn't one or the other. It's at least there's both, you know, but, and they got the minimum wage. So we're starting, we're, we're, we're starting on, on the journey. Then in 1898, Samuel Gompers, lovely name, lovely name, lovely name. Um, Samuel Gompers, founding president of the American Federation of Labor, published an article entitled, quote, a minimum living wage, close quote, in which he advocated for not just setting a legal threshold for wages, but also requiring it to be enough for workers to live. What a thought. What a thought. (laughs) What a thought. And then in 1912, the state of Massachusetts enacted the first law in the United States requiring a minimum wage. Other states soon followed. Shout out to Massachusetts. Finger on the pulse. Finger on the pulse. So then we have a setback in 1923. <laughs> so we're From making who? we're making progress, and then we are stomped on by none other than the Supreme Court. Ah, uh, you Our know grief with them as humans goes back so long, so long. So in 1923, in a case called Adkins vs. Children's Hospital of D.C the United States Supreme Court ruled that imposing a minimum wage violated employers and workers' liberty of contract right under the Fifth Amendment. The the ruling invalidated the state's minimum wage laws and limits them to offering advice to employers who can set their own standards. (laughs) So you can give advice. This is what we think you should say. I think think it should be this, but you you know best. Whatever you do, I will support. Yeah. Yep. So that was 1923. Thank God, 14 years later, the Supreme Court came to its senses and turned around and said no. And they upheld Washington State's minimum wage law when Justice Owen Roberts unexpectedly sided with the court's four-member liberal minority. The case, which was West Coast Hotel v. Parrish, involved a former chambermaid who sued a hotel for $260.19 in back wages that she said she was owed under the state's minimum wage law. The, quote, big switch, as it's called by historians, reversed the judicial trend and established that minimum wage laws do not violate the Constitution until Clarence Thomas comes along and says, <laughs> it's not in the Constitution. It's not minimum no wage, minimum not there. Wage. Not written there. I will say, we have talked about this case before. I'm trying to remember what episode it was. But I, I can't remember, remember the West Coast yeah. Hotel there um, was one? in this case. Oh, it was when we talked about Lochner v. New York. That's probably what it was. Yeah. 
But we did talk about Lochner v. New York, which had to do with yeah, work and wages. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> okay. Problem. Mystery solved. Mystery solved. Mystery solved. Mystery solved. Good job. Thank you. So, yes. Yeah, so the big switch reversed the judicial trend and established that minimum wage laws don't violate the Constitution. So great. Great. We're becoming a court of the people. Love. Love. Then in 1938, so one year after the Supreme Court changed their mind about minimum wage, after a legislative struggle, Congress passed the Fair Labor Standards Act, which Lizzie talked about at the top, which established a federal minimum wage of 25 cents per hour. And the bill was signed into law by President Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Originally, the legislation had called for a 40 cent per hour wage, but was scaled back to win the support of members of Congress from southern states. Which I have to say is still where minimum wage is a huge issue in the South. And we'll we'll talk about that later because there's obviously there's federal minimum wage and state minimum wage. Mm -hmm. Even in the law's compromised form, like not, not in jeopardy, but the compromise that they reached. Yeah. <laughs> the, it represented a major philosophical shift, according to a professor of work, leisure, and labor studies at Michigan State University, whose name is John Revit. He said, quote, America had a long tradition in which issues between the employer and the employee were their concern. The New Deal was saying these are also concerns of the government, close quote. Yeah. Yeah, because... If you pay people more more money, then the government can tax gets more tax money. True, you know. And and we got to get the kids out of the got to get the kids mines. out of the coal mines, and really got to get them out. Right, and you it, you create a more a more robust economy, a more regulated economy. Yeah, more there's, stable there's economy. Interest. There's interest. Yes. There's definitely there's interest. interest. So let's talk about how it's changed over the years, because obviously we are not at 40 cents an hour anymore, although we are also not far off. We're not that far. So so the stated purpose of the federal minimum wage is to keep America's workers out of poverty and to increase consumer purchasing power in order to stimulate the economy. But because the law did not include automatic costs of living adjustments... Legislative action is needed to raise the nation's wage floor and prevent inflation from eroding its real value over time. So it can't just raise itself. And, you know, once again, was it an oversight from the people in 1938? Sure. But also nobody has put this in since. So I'm also like, how is nobody like put in an automatic adjustment to (laughs) to raise it? It's it's insane. And I do understand the argument that to suddenly go from like if if the true minimum wage should be somewhere around I, I'm making it up sixteen dollars. Let's just mm-hmm. take DC DC's the highest. Well, I mean DC is not a state, but state or state equivalent. DC right. has the highest wage, and it's sixteen ten. So if you just take that, you know, to suddenly go to suddenly have a minimum wage increase of ten dollars is would be a a shocking financial burden for business owners particularly small business owners particularly in the south where the where there are five states that go by the federal minimum wage 
Mm-hmm. So I, I understand why there's reluctance to do it. I also feel like, so you make it incremental. Right, exactly. I'm like, to me, the, the, my, there's like, okay, fine, do it over time. Yeah. But, but to not do it, like it, insane. Insane. Like there are, there are ways to make, to put in place safety of the business owner. Right. The, uh, but we and pass, do it. <laughs> right. And pass along the cost. Like if in Tennessee, which I think is one of the states that follows the federal minimum wage, let's say you go to a, a deli or a, you know, whatever, get a bagel and the bagel is two fifty, And the next time you go, the bagel is two sixty. 270, yeah. 275. You know, it's yeah. like, okay, like pass some of it along, you know? Yeah. So back to the notes. So <laughs> here we go. Fun. The minimum wage was last increased to what we have now, which is 725 per hour in 2009, which you do the math over a decade. We love yep. to see it. By way of legislation passed by Congress and signed by then President George W. Baby Bush. So even that took two years. And what was that yeah. increase? Like, you know, 50 cents. They were like, you get yeah, two years. Yeah, it wasn't to a plan. big increase. Come on. Yeah. Without an automatic annual cost of living adjustment to the federal minimum wage, its real value erodes over time due to inflation. At 725, the real value of federal minimum wage has declined about 25% since 1968. Mm-hmm. You're allowed to say it. Mm-hmm. The most recent attempts to raise the federal minimum wage have failed in Congress. Are you surprised? I'm not. I'm not surprised. In 2013, House Republicans voted unanimously to defeat a bill raising the minimum wage in stages to $10.10 per hour. So they said no. No. Unanimously, which we love. I don't want to do that. In 2014, a filibuster by Senate Republicans blocked a similar measure from getting a vote, even though the majority of senators supported the bill. Since then, since 2014, it is now 2022, no specific minimum wage increase has been allowed a hearing or a vote in Congress. And we have the highest inflation right now since when is it? Like the 80s? Yeah, it's high. It's high. It's yep. like 9.1, they just said, right? Like, mm-hmm. but no, there's nothing. Que sera. That, que sera, sera. Doesn't, it doesn't matter. Minimum wage doesn't. No, everybody's yeah. fine. So we've talked a little bit about state minimum wages. Um, Cause that's in some States, that's how they have elected to solve the issue of, of minimum wage being so so low federally. So, like I said, th- according to the Department of Labor, Alabama, Louisiana, Mississippi, South Carolina, and Tennessee have no state minimum wage laws, so their automatic minimum wage is the federal rate, which right now is 7 and a quarter. The highest air quote state minimum wage, like I said, is DC at 16.10. 30 states have rates that are higher than the federal rate. 15 states have laws that equate the state rate to the federal rate. So they just link it, mm-hmm. um, which I guess I was like, why would you even do that? But I guess that's so you like, it's almost like a preventative way of saying we're not go- like, we're not going to raise this, the minimum 
wage in the state. We're just going to link it to this. Yeah. Thereby well, it also has preventing to be kind of like a from... housekeeping thing, right? It's like, if they raise it, we don't have to do anything. You know, right, like, that's true. Yeah. Like, we don't have to pass anything. It's just like, cool. We don't have to have talk amongst ourselves and be like, right, oh, right, should right. we go with this? They raise it. If it's this, cool. We already We already put this in place. And yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, that's the end of the notes, but it just is, I can't, I can't fathom living on 10 grand a year. Well, because you're, you're barely like, that's just, you can't survive. No, no. You know? You can't pay for housing and a way and transportation to get to work and a method by which you would be able to obtain work. I, I eat right. a computer, a phone, or whatever, you know? So it's like... Children. Children. But even, like, without kids, like, just on your own, I I don't even, like, I can't even, I, I can't even think of a place within the United States where 10 grand would get you a life where you would just be able to function day to day and have basic human necessities. I mean, th- those places exist, but they're extremely impoverished and right. under underserved communities. You know, right. it, it, and also it's like you know we're we're not even talking about the metrics in which this affects certain groups, people of color. True. You know, the yeah. LGBT community, trans community, like yeah. this disproportionately affects certain communities extremely. Much and there's more, like yeah. s- like uh, so many other systematic things at play including minimum wage right that keeps people in impoverished situations so this is like one of many systematic failures for well i think all americans but definitely it affects disproportionately other communities um and it's but yeah again it's one of those things where like there's no to me there is no valid argument against it Against raising it for no. me. No. You can't. You can't change my mind. It's no. just like. No. My, like there is, I have empathy for the business owner and I, and I get that. But there are so many things that can be done to protect the business owner that also protects the employee. Right. And maybe this is because I've been an employee my whole life and not a business owner. But you, you got to pay your people. You got to pay your people. You got to pay your people. Yeah. I, I completely agree. Because they're, they're, it's, I mean, and they do, they, they do roll it out in stages and they give people time to plan and all of that. But there's also like throw a tax incentive at them, like a tax, you know, Mm -hmm. like do something like that. Give them, give them money back somehow, you know, so that like over time they get, they have time to plan, but they also have time to like catch up to the real dollar figure that they need to, you know. Yeah. Yes, I agree. I I just think that if your business is succeeding because you pay your employees a wage that keeps them below the poverty line, your business is not succeeding. Right. Right. How about that? Right. Period. Great way to end the episode. I love. And with that, and with that, we're not going to say anything more than that. Nope. But other than that, we obviously do love you um, so, so much. And if you like what you heard, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Let's Get Civical. As always, please rate, review, and subscribe to us. 
We love you so, so much. And we will see you next Wednesday. Goodbye.